When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Scott. Before we get to today's Browns Training Camp podcast, I wanted to remind you about Football Insider. Now, it's really a great way to get in-depth coverage of the Browns during what I think everybody expects to be a really big season. A subscription gives you texts sent right to your phone from me, Dan, Mary Kay, and Ellis with updates and breaking news about the Browns, not just in training camp, but throughout the season. The subscription also gives you access to all that exclusive content you see on cleveland.com. A lot of it's free, but quite a bit requires a Football Insider subscription to access it. You also get our daily newsletter, which includes content that only subscribers get. So go to cleveland.com slash browns, click on the blue banner at the top of the page, and get signed up. All right, let's get to it. Here's today's Orange or Brown Talk podcast from Browns Training Camp. What's going on, y'all? Ellis Williams here for the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm joined by Dan Lobby, Scott Pasco, and Mary Kate Cabot in the parking lot of Berea. Day seven of Browns camp wraps up. And before we get into what happened, uh, lighter day of practice, it seemed like even though a full pass and the fans were fired up. The one and only Mary Kate Cabot, of course, was writing a story while watching practice while on her laptop, while on her phone. Just another day in the life of Mary Kay. Uh, Mary Kay, what news did you break and what can you tell us? Well, first of all, shout out to my man, Will, a vendor who was selling uh, drinks out there, and uh, he helped provide a little bit of shade for me with his umbrella, and uh, he was really nice and and did everything he could to to help me get a story posted in the the middle of of practice while I was outside there. So, shout out to Will. But anyways, um, so I obtained a memo from the NFLPA to the players today. Basically, it says this, 32 of the 65 people who have tested positive in the first week of camp were, um, were vaccinated people. That's players and staff members. So almost 50% vaccinated, obviously, uh, half and half here. Uh, they're ve- the NFLPA is very, very concerned about the Delta variant that is surging around. And uh, so they're tightening protocols. Last year, they had to pivot to get through the pandemic. They're doing the same thing now. So they're asking the NFL to daily test all vaccinated members of the team uh, that are either players or tier one and tier two staff. So that's all the coaches, that's all the support staff that works with the players. Uh, we don't know what's gonna happen with you know media members yet, but, uh, but for right now, it's um, all, and all, the, uh, all the staff members that work with the players. It's significant uh, in that, uh, you know, they're trying to get through the season like they did last year. And now, as we can see, here we are only one week into camp and they're very worried. They're very concerned. They said last year, it wasn't until week three, I think maybe of the regular season even, that they had their first inside of a club transmission. Now they've got it in week one of training camp. So lots going on here with this. Uh, these protocols are not in place yet. They're asking the NFL to, to adopt, to help, you know, jointly adopt these protocols. 
and they're, they're, it's, it's going to be interesting because a lot of players got vaccinated so that they wouldn't have to be tested every day. So, but you know what? Everybody's got to stay healthy. That's always the most important thing for everyone. Yeah, Mary Kay, real quick, just because you've had your pulse on this so well, what do you think this is doing inside NFL buildings? Like, is this just more stress on the plate of Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry? What do, you, what do you think the players in the locker room, is this just something that they have to ignore and get out to practice? Or is this just, a, you know, a, a, another obstacle much like last year was that this team's already proven they can get through? Yeah, it's just like last year. And I think this team probably did a better job than anybody in the NFL of just rolling with the punches and dealing with whatever was thrown at them. And it's going to have to be that way again this year because these were training camp protocols that we're all under right now. Nobody knew exactly what it was going to be for the season yet. And now I think we can kind of see uh, that things are going to be a little tighter uh, than everyone hoped that they would be. Uh, So again, hopefully we'll still have full stadiums. Hopefully everything will go off without a hitch and, uh, and everything will be you know, better than it was last year. Uh, but right now things are just in a state of flux. I, I think the one thing I would throw in is like, this, this is just a reminder that this thing just keeps changing yeah. rapidly. And it feels like the season is getting closer, but it's still a long ways away too. So I, I just think this, every time there's some sort of news like this, just sort of like last year, it's a reminder that there's still a long ways to go to get to that, that start line. And this is just a reminder that things are just constantly, constantly changing right now. Yep. Anything you want to add, Scott, or should we talk some football? I think we should talk some football. I like that. (laughs) I agree with Scott. There you go. Day seven out here in Berea. Like I said in the open, a lighter day, even though the pads were on and the fans were fired up. And now the Browns head into an off day. This is their second off day of camp so far. So, you know, I asked Dan Lobby off there, like, does this feel like the halfway point before the first preseason game? And, we both were trying to think of our the calendar in our head, and we really have no idea. But for the sake of the pot, I'm going to call this a halfway point between uh, the start of camp and the first preseason game, second day off. And just when these players get in this rhythm, that's when it starts to feel like, all right, you're at camp, you're established. You know, if they were in the dorm rooms like back in the day, I know the Vikings go down to Mankato and be in the dorms, you really would feel like you're in the thick of things, which tells me we've got enough data to come up with – a player or a coach or just anything out here that has caught us by surprise. We'll call it the the halfway to week one surprise award ceremony. There you go. I'm a words guy, right? So one thing, one player, one coach that has surprised you guys thus far, Scott, since you wanted to start talking football, we'll start with you. I get to go first. Let's do it. I sat here through the whole opening of this podcast again. I better come up with something else other than the obvious one that everybody else wants to talk about. So I'll go with Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, he's clearly the, the standout guy so far uh, in, in practices. He, uh, he just kind of has a string of practices where he does something that you remember that everybody watching it ends up talking about today. It was a, it was a, a long touchdown. Would you say it was like 70 some yards? Yeah. 67, somewhere in there. Yeah. It was down the sideline. I think AJ green uh, was in coverage yep. and uh, Baker hit him in stride. It was really nice. Uh, he also caught a high comeback uh, uh, pass near the sideline that, that looked great. And, you know, it, Odell Beckham Jr. has not been out there. Uh, so, you know, it's Donovan Peoples-Jones doing what he does. It's it's filling that role. It's what he did last year. And he he's making the most of his opportunity for sure. I'm not sure how things shake out with him when Odell is in the lineup and, and how that dynamic will work. But uh, he's certainly doing the things you'd want to see from a guy, especially a second-year receiver who, you know, uh, you'd expect him to make some kind of leap this year. And 
he seems like he's that guy to do it. Yeah, the, he's making the plays. But that's, the, I think, a very important point you made was Odell Beckham Jr. is not out there. We see Jarvis Landry limitedly. So, Dan, just because DBJ is doing this now, does, is this going to be something that can translate into the regular season? Or is this just another way of asking the, the number three wide receiver question that we love so much <laughs> on the spot? Yeah, I'll leave that one to Scott. Scott <laughs> loves to talk about number three receivers. Yeah. And, I, and and besides, I was the Kareem Hunt number three receiver guy last year. So I'm just staying away from that one. I'm going to hot potato that over to Scott. But I'll say this. It's not going to change the dynamic of that receiving core as far as what Odell and Jarvis do, because those guys are going to be ready week one regardless. But I think there's two things. One, it's the opportunity, like Scott mentioned. And when there's an opportunity, that's what football's about. You've got to take advantage of those things. But the other part of it is I just love it when a guy shows up in any sport, not just football, but I love it when a guy shows up and, you know, you're kind of going in saying, okay, which receivers are going to pop, which receivers are going to show up and take advantage of this opportunity. And I love it when a guy like Donovan Peoples Jones or Daryl Hodge last year, whoever it is, they show up and they just hit the ground running from day one. And it tells me something about that player, whether it translates into 30, 40 snaps a game, or, you know, if he's kind of stuck playing 10 to 15, it tells me long-term the type of player that Donovan Peoples-Jones is and what you can expect from him when he shows up to camp ready to compete like that. So that's kind of what stands out to me uh, about him. I completely agree, Dan. And and building off that, Mary Kay, you've seen plenty of Brown's rookie receivers transition into that year two. Uh, DPJ has to be creeping towards the top of uh, impressive, despite not playing any games this year yet, right? Yeah, you know what? When I saw him uh, jump, box jump onto the top of the car heading into training camp, I knew he was bringing it this yeah. camp, yeah. right? I mean, he was gonna, he was going to just light it up, and that is what he has done. Good for him. It's, it's like he is ready to put himself on the map. And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, Urban Meyer saying what he said about mm-hmm. him after the draft. And, you know, it raised some eyebrows when he said, I can't remember the exact quote. Maybe one of you guys remembers exactly what Urban Meyer said, but he had some kind of a a lofty prediction about Donovan Peoples-Jones and how amazing he was going to be in the NFL. And, um, And he looks like far, far, far better than a sixth round pick. My goodness. Uh, I've seen, like you said, I've seen a lot of rookie receivers come through these parts. We all have. Uh, There was a a stretch of time, and Scott, you probably remember this as well as I do, where they just kept taking a a receiver in the second round every year, right? Every year, a second round receiver would come in here. We'd be like, okay, here we go again. Um, And a lot of them just didn't pan out. A lot of these guys just did not pan out. So to see a Donovan Peoples-Jones come in here to bolt up the charts from the sixth round of the NFL, it's incredible. And I keep attributing a lot of the development of this receiving core to the outstanding coaching of Chad O'Shea, who I think has head coaching ability in him. I think he's got head coaching potential. I think the reason why we see these guys catch the ball so incredibly well, every single one of them, Chad is so fundamentally sound. He comes from the New England Patriots. He's got Super Bowl rings aplenty. He's coached some of the best receivers in the NFL. These guys listen to what he's saying, and he is just getting them better every day. Yeah, and and Chad O'Shea talked today, and Kevin echoed a similar message about the 
intelligence and the football IQ of, of this receiving room. So when you combine that with the technical skills of, of catching the football and then really just the diverse passing game schematic backgrounds of this staff. I mean, uh, Drew Petzig and Stefanski coming from Minnesota are doing very different stuff than Chad O'Shea was ever doing, you know, with the Patriots or the Dolphins and the way they can collaborate and, and get the best out of six round talent and Rashard Higgins, quite frankly, and that's no knock on these those two guys it's just that's exactly where they were selected right and to circle back to that urban meyer quote mary Kay and dan sky wasn't it just like he said something like donovan people should have been a first round pick wasn't it something along those lines or let me see if i can find it first round talent yeah and i want to i want to tee up here scott because you mentioned something walking off the field where that urban meyer quote kind of ties together with what you were saying just by looking at donovan people's jones he doesn't look like a six rounder no, I, I think we were looking, I was, I was mentioning that uh, on the roster, he's listed at the same height and one pound less than Darrell Hodge. And watching those guys, I would never think that, uh, you know, sometimes the plays that, that Donovan Peoples-Jones makes makes you think of Josh Gordon. I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> That's a perfect way to put it. This is what it, mm-hmm. it kind of looks like sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a top 10, a top 10 draft pick is what Urban Meyer said. A top 10 draft pick. And I think everybody thought, wow. I mean, that, that would be uh, one of the biggest steals in the sixth, sixth round since Tom Brady, if it turns out to be that. Um, but geez, yeah, that, that's quite a lofty statement to make. But he looks like a first rounder to me. Yeah. He does. I've seen a lot of first round receivers not look that good. So we'll see where this goes, but I, 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 I'm feeling it. Yep, I hear you there. And DPJ is only seven Super Bowl rings behind Tom Brady for the best six round <laughs> pick ever. So, so we will see. Mary Kay, uh, your most surprised award goes to. Well, it's kind of the flip side of this uh, because I'm most surprised that we are seeing absolutely none of Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. in any meaningful drills. Okay, now we've been out here for seven days now, and we haven't seen Odell in any, I mean, maybe a seven or and seven here or there, but certainly no team, certainly no pads. I mean, he's not, he's not doing anything, uh, any, anything meaningful yet. And I'm a little bit surprised about that because we watched him on social media, just tearing it up, you know, just sprinting and running and catching and cutting and, I thought he was going to be ready for more than this, but what they're doing is they have put him in bubble wrap and they are going to try to get him to the season healthy. That's the most important thing. He's a long, long time veteran. He doesn't need practice practice. He doesn't really need all that much practice. Uh, He knows what he's doing now. Of course, this all goes with, is he going to have the timing with Baker Mayfield? They're not getting the reps. They're not getting the time on task. Um, but, you know, maybe as they go through camp, those guys will, will get more time together. But I would say that, that that has kind of surprised me, just not much of Odell. I just want to go on record. I am team put anybody in bubble wrap who doesn't need to play in a preseason game. Uh, Odell, Joel Batonio, J.C. Treader, uh, Miles Garrett. Put them all in bubble wrap if you need to. I am, I am team that, especially with 17 games this year. I think you've got plenty of time to get the work you need in. Um, you know, I understand the chemistry thing and, and you certainly would like to try and develop that. I don't know if that happens in one drive in a preseason game. So I'm just put them in bubble wrap and get them to uh, September 12th. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just every every day when I come out here and I see who's not playing or who's on the bikes or just who's watching, and it just you get the sense that they're just going with an abundance of caution. You know, large because of what happened last year. I mean, mm-hmm. thinking back to training camp last year and all the injuries that happened, and you know, just how this team was impacted during the season with injuries, and uh, and yeah, it makes a lot of sense to just have guys just sit out. And I know everybody would probably prefer to see Odell out there catching passes from Baker and, and trying to form some sort of chemistry that they haven't really shown in the last few years. But overall, this team is very similar, at least on offense, to what it was last year. So these guys know how to play with each other. Yeah. And like you said, one, you know, one drive isn't going to really change that. And I'll push that point even further. Brown fans, be patient with Odell and Baker. Give them till week four, five, maybe six for, to figure this out. It's not going to look amazing right away. There might be some balls behind Odell. Who knows? It's all right. This team is about football after Thanksgiving and in that playoff run. Dan, how about your most surprised award? Are we staying on offense or are we going to talk some defense? I'm going to go to the defensive side. I'm going to say the new father who uh, just posted on Instagram that uh, he had a, his girlfriend had a baby. Um, maybe his fiance. I don't remember. I think I might've seen that they got engaged. Uh, that's besides the point this isn't people magazine (laughs) (laughs) anyway mac wilson a new father and frankly a guy i've been critical of and i you know i still need to see it on sundays in regular season games but he has had a very good camp and he's come much like donovan people's jones he's come ready to compete scott were you less surprised that he after the interception he ran that all the way back to the house despite being down by contact less surprised by that right (laughs) maybe maybe uh, you know, Coach Tarver, uh, we heard from him, linebacker's coach today, and he just he had a lot of great things to say about Mac Wilson. He said he's, he's slimmed down a little bit, and he just he's faster. He's running great. He's going to the ball, and that's what he wants, you know, all the linebackers to just explode to the ball. And uh, he, seemed, you know, he seems to have kind of risen to the top of the depth chart uh, over Malcolm Smith, who kind of held that role last year. And, uh, yeah, I think he was, he was my number two pick, by the way. If, if somebody else had gotten <laughs> Dynamo Fields Jones, I was going to talk about Mac Wilson because – he has definitely been one of the standouts uh, in camp so far on the defensive side of the ball. And, and that's good because that linebacker group is uh, one of the bigger question marks uh, on this team. You know, you're not really sure what's going to happen there. And he, he's maybe answering some of the questions. Mary Kay, sounds like a turn of fortune here for Mac Wilson compared to where things were at when, you know, they drafted JOK and Tony Fields. And now he's making interceptions and is a new father and looks like he could be a, a very serious part of this starting lineup in this linebacker room for the remainder of the season. Absolutely. There are a couple things at play here uh, with Mac Wilson. Number one, I, I think we have a tendency to underestimate or forget a little bit that he suffered that hyperextended knee in training camp last summer. And then he went on to miss the first three, four games. And we thought he was going to be back out for a long time. And that injury looked pretty bad. And he came back fairly quickly from that, all things considered. But when you come back from an injury like that and you miss so much time, it really is hard to get up to speed in a new defense and to really know exactly what you're doing and play fast and play your best football. So I think that that had a major impact on his season last year when he was poised to try to take a step up. That really set him back. Uh, So that's one thing. The other thing is, and I've written about this, he has attached himself to the hip of Anthony Walker. Mm -hmm. And Anthony is a fountain of information. And, uh, and Mac Wilson has absorbed every bit of knowledge that he can possibly get from Anthony Walker, uh, who is just giving him tips and pointers. So you put it all together, being in shape, being healthy, and then just putting in the work 
and figuring it out with the veteran like Anthony Walker. And it's a recipe for success. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And that's something about camp here that with the theme of being surprised is why we come out here. We, we have to figure out how this is going to play out. That's why they play the games. That's why they practice, which leads me to my surprise, which is to the point of Mac Wilson carving out a role. I'm surprised by the fact we really haven't seen a number two corner establish themselves. And that might be by design. I feel like they're repping a lot of guys resting all that in between, but quite frankly, when Greedy Williams has gotten his opportunity, I haven't seen him do anything other than honestly get beat or not be around the ball. And I just have, I wrote about it. I hadn't seen Greedy's moment to be fair to him. I hadn't seen his moment. That's fine. we got a lot of camp left. Greg Newsom. I feel like he's just in the shuffle a little bit right now. And then you see Donovan Peoples-Jones beating guys like AJ Green and then Denzel Ward's Denzel. But again, like Mary Kay has talked about, at length you don't see him playing the ball so we know what Denzel can do but that number two corner spot still feels like something they're figuring out right guys oh so let me ask you this you you're a you're a gambler okay never lost never lost if somebody gave you pretty good odds right now that Greg Newsom would be the starting corner too would you run and, and make that bet man it's a great question Dan so now I'm thinking odds right I don't know. I don't know what I'd have to put the odds. I know, but I, cause I think they're getting smaller and smaller, but it just seems right, like if somebody right. said to me, if the odds were really great and I'm bad at setting odds. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, let's, like if they lag, right. Sometimes they lag. Yep. If I saw some lagging odds, if he would be the cornerback too, still, I think I would go place that bet just because I think that's where still got a ways to go, but I really think that's where we're headed more because we just haven't seen it from greedy than we've really seen it from Greg, but I think Greg is going to start to get those opportunities soon. Yeah. And I think you talked me into it, especially with Kansas city being that week one opponent. And if you flip this from cornerback to let's say a quarterback competition, like if this was the Browns competing for a number one spot and you had a guy who had been here, but you didn't really know, or you had the first round rookie and he might not be ready. You haven't totally seen him yet, but let's throw him out there. Cause you know, he's the future. That logic tells me Greg Newsom. I would lean that way. Like I said, we have a lot of camp left and it, all it takes is maybe a, a nice week or a couple of moments from greedy. Um, but I am leaning Newsom despite again, no one establishing themselves. Is that surprising anyone else? Scott, you go. Uh, I, I was going through camp battles that we all talked about before camp uh, <laughs> yesterday and I got to greedy and, and Greg Newsom and, and I'm like I, yeah I really don't know yeah. who's winning this uh, and you're right the the things that you've seen out there are more uh, plays that Greedy Williams maybe didn't come out on the good end of and right. you know I mean practice is only part of this right there's mm-hmm. walkthroughs there's meetings there's just there's a lot more involved than just what we're seeing out on the field and we don't always have a full understanding of what we are, you know, seeing on the field in terms of we don't know what they were supposed to do and things like that. So, but even considering all that, it's still just like I really, you know, who knows? It's and, and maybe that's good for Greg Newsom, the fact that nobody uh, who has been here has has really established themselves, and maybe that keeps them alive. So I'll, I'll get into the uh, you know feelings part of the you know aren't we doing the feelings pod so this is oh yeah get into your we'll have doug call into the zoom here for the uh, the emotions (laughs) this is the emotional part of the pot i um you know after talking to greedy williams in the off season and he you know poured his heart out to me just about how hard it was for him to come back and what last year was like There, there were times when he was fell into a little bit of a depression 
How could you not with everything that was going on? Uh, every time he went in for those appointments, the nerve wouldn't fire. Uh, he had a lot of help from Grant Delpit trying to keep his head up. He had his, his brother came here and lived with him. And it was just a cool story uh, from somebody who has just put his heart and soul into this and is trying so hard to come back. So when I look out there, I'm just happy that he's out there. I am so happy that he is out there practicing and that he's making a comeback from this very, very difficult injury where you're at the mercy of a nerve that has to regenerate in its own time. So great to see him out there and they're all going to be better for it. They're going to push each other. That's going to bring out the best in both of those guys. A first round pick. I mean, you expect that guy to start and quite often they start right off the bat. Uh, I mean, you know, that's what Denzel did. And I'm sure, and, and he made the Pro Bowl as a rookie. And I think they expect that kind of play from Greg Newsom. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, if he does start right away. But good for Greedy that he's out there and that he has a, a bona fide chance to come back from this horrible injury and to contribute in a big way. Yeah, and by no means should anyone count Greedy out. This team is going to need all the defensive backs it can get. I think these past two seasons has shown everyone that we're just waiting on the moment. We're just waiting on the moment. That moment won't come tomorrow because the Browns are off, which means we will not be podcasting, but we'll come back and finish the weekend strong for y'all. So for myself, Dan Lobby, Scott Pasco, and Mary Kate Cabot, I'm signing off here from Korea. Thanks for listening. Y'all.